I would ask that you stand and join us in our scripture reading from today's gospel. Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 25. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders, priests, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning again, church, and let me say thank you to Caitlin and Dawn and choir for preparing our hearts with that beautiful anthem. Thank you to Paul for helping me get to the right place at the right time this morning. Thanks to Shelly for inviting me to Sunday school and uh, some delicious donuts from somewhere nearby. That was amazing. Uh, I'm also going to ask a favor as I start out this morning. Uh, I'm a, a Methodist pastor as well. I'm normally at Northside this morning. My team was covering for me so that I could be here, uh, an amazing church up there. But I've been there for five years. So if I say Northside instead of Noonan, or if I accidentally say I'm a pastor here, just nod and smile and act like I said the right thing. I'll have no idea what I did, uh, and that'll make it go smoothly for everybody. Uh, I've told you a little bit about who I am, uh, but there are a few things that I left off. First, you would want to know that uh, I am a husband, I am a father, I have uh, my married, my high school sweetheart, her name is Emily, and she's actually been here at Noonan before. Y'all had a, a contemporary service a couple of years ago, and Andrew brought her in to sing for you. Since we've known each other for so long, uh, my wife has known Aunt Andrew for a number of years now as well. My two kids, uh, I have a four-year-old son named Carson and a two-year-old daughter named Charlotte. And if you have kids uh, preschool aged in your life, you know that season is just full, full of joy, full of energy and life. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, they are such a blessing to me and my wife as well. You'll hear, you'll hear some more about them later on. I can't help myself. Here at Noonan, you are in the middle of a series entitled B, looking at a passage from Micah 6.8. Now, I'm not preaching on Micah 6.8, but uh, that verse, I love that verse. It says a lot about who we should be as followers of God. It has a lot of history in my own life, that verse. I grew up going to this camp in North Georgia. It was called Woodlands. And it was half church, half sports. And I was really good at the church side of things. Uh, with the sports side, dodgeballs to the face, it was bad. But in the church side of things, we had to memorize scripture. And every year, Micah 6.8 was the first scripture passage everybody had to memorize. King James Version, for some reason. But 
at, throughout the week, kids would just walk by each other yelling Micah 6-8 at one another. It's, it's fun. So memorize it. Yell it at one of your fellow church members. Uh, people will love it. But then later on in my life, uh, when my first child, Carson, was born, the nurse came into the room and had Micah 6-8 on her lanyard. And we started praying that over my son's life. I opened up uh, a Bible that I inherited from my grandmother later to take a picture with him in that Bible. And the verse had been highlighted by her years ago. Now the words are on his wall and his room. And it's just been a powerful verse to pray over my own son's life. And so I encourage you to pray that over your life, over a family member's life. Uh, it's, it's a meaningful passage of scripture. It also has something to say about who we are. And this understanding of who we are, it begins at an early age. I said I have young kids, and I've noticed that from a very early age, kids recognize their name. They can respond to their own name. My, my kids go to a daycare that's at the church where I serve. And so every once in a while, my coworkers will come by and say that they saw my kid throughout the day. I get all kinds of stories, which is exciting and sometimes scary. But this very, this very week, uh, I had a coworker come up to me and said, oh, I saw Charlotte downstairs today. So my heart started racing and they said, I said, oh, hey, Charlotte, how are you? And she responded by saying, I, Charlotte. That girl knows who she is. It's amazing. I also remember when my son was learning to talk. He had just turned two, was really great with words. And sometimes as a parent, I don't know if it gets better or not, but you zone out a little bit. And so I'm driving you know, thinking, the music's going, my kid's just babbling in the background, and I missed a few times. He'd say, Dad, Dad, Daddy, no response from me, until finally from the back seat I hear, Hey, Jeff! <laughs> Which is just not what you expect from your two-year-old. But we are keyed in to our name. We have an identity. We understand who we are. It's a question that Jesus asks in the passage that Paul read for us this morning. Have you heard this passage before? It's called Peter's Confession. It's a pretty well-known passage. It comes to us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and you may ask it. It asks questions. You may know it. It asks questions of identity. And oftentimes, because there's so because there's so much in the passage, we can skip over that first line, which says, Jesus was praying alone. That's not a throwaway line, though. This passage has something to teach us in moments of impact, moments of revelation that only come after time of prayer. I think the same thing can be said in our life that we can have moments of revelation, moments of impact, after we spend time in prayer. So then Jesus asks his followers a question. He says, who do the crowds say that I am? You know, he makes it an easy question. He's not asking yet the hard question, who do you say I am? But who, who do the crowds say I am? Now, this question is even easier when you realize 10 verses earlier, the crowds are asking the same question. 
Herod asks his people, who is Jesus? And the people respond to Herod by saying, oh, we don't know. Some people say this Jesus is John the Baptist who has come back. And why would they say that it's John the Baptist? But because John preached a similar way as Jesus. He had a similar movement as Jesus. And so Herod thought, well, probably not John. I I beheaded that guy, so maybe not him. Uh, Other people said it could have been Elijah. I know you look like a smart group. You remember your second kings, right, where Elijah got taken up in a whirlwind to go straight to heaven, be with God. And then at the end, the last chapter of your Old Testament in Malachi, it says Elijah will be coming back. Some folks said it maybe this is Elijah returning. So it was a deep question of who is this Jesus? And then 10 verses later, Jesus asks it. Now, this is a little aside for you Bible scholars out there, but if you're reading through Scripture and you notice a sandwich, let's call it, or maybe bookends, something that is framed in your Bible, whatever shows up in the middle of that says something about the questions on either end. So when Herod asks who Jesus is and Jesus asks who people say he is, what's in the middle is the feeding of the 5,000. A miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. So who is Jesus? For one, he's a miracle worker. He's someone who provides. He's someone who takes care of those who follow him. Okay, Bible lesson done. Let's keep moving with our story. All right, so Jesus is asking, who do the crowd say I am? And his disciples faithfully say exactly what the people told Herod. And then Jesus starts meddling. You know, preachers who meddle. And says, but who do you say that I am? And this, this is Peter's moment. He says, you are the Messiah of God. Now, Messiah is the Hebrew word for Christ, which is the Greek word for anointed one. And in that time, the one who was anointed referenced the kings in the Old Testament. So Messiah, or Christ, references the king like Saul or David or Solomon that the Jewish people were looking forward to. Peter says, Jesus, you are the king. But you know, and I know, it's not the king that they really expected, right? Even so, if if Jesus is the king, what does that make people who follow Jesus? I think it's interesting that immediately after Peter makes this confession, he's right, Jesus is the Messiah, And immediately, Jesus tells them the opposite of what I would expect, right? I would expect Jesus to look at the people at that point and say, yes, you got it. You are correct. I knew you could get it, Pete. Uh, You're so smart. Now go and tell everybody exactly what you've come to realize. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says the opposite. He said, great, don't tell anybody. 
What are we doing here, Jesus? Why does Jesus tell them not to share this news? It's because they are not going to understand what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah until after the resurrection. So when we ask the question, who is Jesus? We can't understand until we've seen Jesus through the lens of the resurrection. Until we've seen Jesus as the one who can give us new life. Who can conquer the power of sin. The true king of kings is not one who reigns in one space for one period of time. But Jesus is one who will reign over all of heaven and earth for all of eternity. And our role as his followers is to allow that reign to break out in our life here and now. So Peter gets it right. Jesus is the Messiah. And it changes who Peter is as a follower of Jesus. And this is a defining moment in Peter's story, right? It's not Peter's whole story. You can never understand somebody from one interaction, right? You can't understand all of my life history by one sermon. I can't understand your whole life just by being here in Noonan for one Sunday morning. But there are moments that are defining moments in our journey. And this is one of those for Peter. Other ones for Peter might be when he's walking out on the boat. That's a good, that's a good moment for Peter. Then he cuts off somebody's ear. That's a bad moment for Peter. Then he denies Christ. Bad moment. Then he's forgiven by Christ. Good moment. Then he leads the church. It's how our story goes. We have these defining moments in our journey of faith. And that's one of the reasons that I love Methodist theology because it understands that our faith is a journey. And I can remember in my own life those defining moments. My parents took me to Sunday school when I was a little kid, and I didn't like it. I mean, they made me wear uncomfortable shoes. I was out. But week in, week out, they taught me the stories of Scripture. They taught me how God loves me. I remember a defining moment when I was in uh, middle school. And someone invited me to go on the beach retreat, which sounded like a a fine idea to go to Panama City Beach for a weekend in middle school. It was a church retreat. But that was one of those moments where I understood the love that Christ has for me in a very real way, where I called Jesus the Lord of my life in a personal way. I remember one of those defining moments where I spent a whole week out at our church campgrounds and and began to find community in the church and realize that those were people who would always be there for me, love me, and care for me. And I've found the way that Christ's call on our life grows and shifts and expands as our relationship with Jesus changes over time. So this confession you are the Messiah, changes who Peter is. It's a defining moment in his life. And after that, Jesus calls him, carry your cross. Daily, 
He calls us to do the same. Carry our cross. Follow daily. Find the defining moments in your life. Allow those to come at regular intervals. He says this journey of carrying the cross is one where we will lose our life so that we might save it. For what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world, but they lose themselves? Do you know, have you ever seen someone that's gained the whole world and lost themselves? Recently, I was at a funeral. It's one I didn't have to do, so it was, that was nice. And it was for somebody that was, it was a prominent person. And so I'm not lying, there were hundreds of people at this funeral. This individual had been a, a leader in business and various community organizations, had chaired different things, had a lot of hobbies, and three different people got up to speak. Family members, uh, co-workers, fellow board members. And as I listened to the stories being told, they were amazing stories. But soon I realized there wasn't a single word about God spoken at that service. And I read through the obituary, and his faith was never mentioned. And so as I reflect on the question, who are you? I wonder what someone would say about myself. And I reflect on the words of Christ saying, what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world but lose themselves, because I've seen it. Who are you? And who is Christ calling you to be? Because I'm just a guest pastor for the day, and I don't know you, but I know that God's moving in your life. I know that you are seen as God's beloved child, And I know that you are called to be a disciple, one who does justice, who loves kindness, who walks humbly with God. And so my challenge as you pray through that verse is that you would reflect on your own life and try to understand your story by finding those defining moments of your journey with Jesus, sharing those with others, being able to articulate those, and then seeing yourself through the lens of the resurrection, seeing yourself as a follower of Jesus, a follower of the King of Kings, because you are called to lose your life so that you can save it. You are called to see yourself as a child of God, redeemed by the resurrection. Know that you are loved. Go, carry your cross for the world to see. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are moving in our life. I thank you that you love each and every person in this room. You love us exactly as we are. 
but you are calling us to more. Calling us to more because you love us. So help us to see the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Help us to see the way you reign in our life, to let go of the things that we cling to so that you can transform something in who we are that the world would see you instead. Lead us, and may we know your love. Amen.